UEBO? Yep. Mandates on electric cars? Getting a hell no. Senior investigative reporter at Epoch Times, Kevin Stockland, is going to join me now. Hi, Kevin. Kevin? I hate these phone lines. There you are. How you doing? Doing okay. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, Electric cars. They're beautiful. Some of them. Some are really, really ugly. Um, But I, I... I cuss about this all the time on my show. I I do not want an electric car. I don't want to have to call a flatbed when I run out of electricity three miles from the next charging station. I think that if we had a setup that was ready where we could, you know, charge the car in in three minutes flat or five minutes flat, carry on our way, and they were everywhere, it'd be different. But now is not the time, is it? Well, we've got a letter from 3,800 and some uh, car dealers to President Biden that says these things are backing up on the dealer lots. They're not selling. They're losing a ton of money, and they're begging him to drop uh, all the efforts to force Americans to transition to EVs. They're basically saying Americans don't want them. Well, does he care? Is he going to listen? I would be very surprised if he did. Uh, this seems to be a single-minded goal of him to transition everything, our transportation, our heating, our stoves, onto the electric grid, which we all know is not able to handle that sort of demand. Yeah, it can't, it can't even handle a snowstorm in Texas, for crying out loud. They can't even get water when something bad happens. So he wants to make us all more reliable, rely, reliant on something that's not reliable. But Americans, some people love electric cars that are just tooling around town where there are charging stations. But for those of us who have to go a mile in a peck, I mean, come on, this is not realistic, is it? Well, yeah, some people do love them. Uh, Your typical EV buyer makes more than $150,000 a year. They have a garage to charge the car in. It's probably their second or third car, so they have a reliable gas car if they need to drive long distances. Mm -hmm. And for about 7 or 8% of the market... They buy these things and they love them, and, and that's fine. They should have the freedom to do so. Right. Um, but this just isn't a mainstream product for most Americans as much as the government wants it to be. And then you listen to what they're doing at COP28. They're making it sound like the entire world wants this. That couldn't be the, a bigger bucket of crap that they're feeding the world and is being spread by liberal media outlets that everybody wants this, everybody everywhere, except in China where coal uh, mines are being opened and, and factories every day. Russia's dependent on coal. We're still buying our oil from people who hate us. I mean, you look at how the world is set up and the only ones who do not benefit from this would be us. Well, yeah, I remember when the iPhone came out, and I don't remember any government mandates saying that I had to hand in my flip phone and buy this thing or (laughs) subsidizing the purchase of it. It was just a superior product, and people saw the value of it, and they flocked to it. So if EVs are a superior product, let people make their own choices instead of trying to force them. But uh, they don't seem to be taking the consumer into account. The government wants us all to drive EVs. The industry says we're going that way, but they haven't really thought about the consumer. Guess what? I actually like electric vehicles. Don't get me wrong. I like them, but they're not for everyone. Uh, Even 20 years ago, I did an interview with a local guy who had electric vehicles. It was cool then. I mean, it's cool. And he said, it's coming. And, And I knew it was coming because we have this opportunity to have another option was what I was thinking it would be. The word mandate becomes involved, and now I have a problem with it. Yeah, this is an interesting product because the larger the market share that it takes, 
uh, the, more, the less viable it becomes. So as, as a niche product, less than 10% of the market, we can deal with it. The electric grid can more or less handle it. But if this ever becomes a mainstream product, um, there's not a single section of the U.S. electric grid that's able to power it and, and charge these things. And they take a tremendous amount of electricity to charge. And so it just doesn't work as a mainstream product. Not only that, we're not going to be able to source the lithium and the cobalt and all the things that we have to strip mine the earth to get to make these batteries. Yeah. So it works as a small pro- as a niche product, 7 to 8, maybe even 10% of the market, People who drive them really like them, and, you know, they accept the limitations, but this is just not ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, people are impressed with the coolness of them, you know, the big flat screen, um, the no engine, the silence, the really cool, like you're driving an airplane steering wheel. I mean, people are impressed with the amenities that come along with the electric car, but again, they're extremely expensive. So the 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 manufacturers are coming out with cheaper ones that more and more people can afford, but yet there still aren't charging stations and they're still out of the price range that most Americans can afford. Well, yeah, and people should not labor under the illusion that these things are good for the environment either. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes so much um, CO2 emissions to mine all the minerals and then to transport it to China where it gets refined and then to ship it back to the U.S. where it gets assembled. By the time they're done with all that, each car has what's called a carbon debt, and it will take you about six to ten years of driving it to break even with all the carbon emissions that you engaged in to build the thing. Mm -hmm. So they're not good for the environment. Um, They only measure the emissions at the tailpipe. They don't take into account what it takes to charge them, all of the the energy that we have to create through coal and natural gas and everything else to charge them and what goes into making them. So people should not be under the illusion that they're doing something good for the environment. They buy them if you like them, but you're not really doing it for a good cause. Yeah, it's a status symbol. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's why people buy Gucci. It's why people want Ray-Bans. It's why people buy Teslas. I mean, it's it's which are having a massive recall because of the autopilot thing. But there uh, people aren't buying these things because they're not affordable. And most people know that if they get one, they're not going to have anywhere to charge it. And when they do go to charge it, there might be a line there. And it takes like a half hour to charge a dang thing. So yeah. if you don't have one in the garage, you, your your options are pretty slim. I know they are in Missouri. Well, we're hearing too many horror stories from friends who've been stranded. Mm-hmm. And the thing runs out of juice and they have to spend the night in a hotel somewhere because they can't charge their car. So, um, Call a flatbed. You know, there's, there's a lot of stories like that. Yeah, well, I've, I've, a friend of mine's had to call a flatbed twice because they were three miles away from a charging station. Because when they're out of juice, you can't go get a gallon of electricity. I mean, there's no way to to switch out the battery. They weigh a couple thousand pounds. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's just, it doesn't make sense. But so the car dealership signed this thing, a bunch of them, 3,500 seems like a small number to me. I would have thought that would have been higher. So did, did a lot of them not sign it because they didn't have the opportunity or were, I mean, what was the thought process there? Well, I think if you're a car dealer, you don't want to get involved in politics. I, I spoke to one who was happy to be quoted for the article. He just didn't want to be named. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they don't want to get involved in a political fray. They're business people. They want to sell cars. And they said, we'll sell whatever ever car sells. We don't have anything against EVs. If people wanted them, we'd sell them. They just don't seem to want them. So I think a lot of dealers are just trying to keep their heads down, sell cars, stay in business, 
you know, and they don't they don't want to get involved in political uh, campaigns. Yeah, I mean, the effect of him sticking his nose in everybody's business this way is going to cause a revolt sooner than later. I mean, I know there are a lot of sheeple out there who are just going to go along with it because they think they're doing good things for the environment because we brainwashed our kids into thinking climate change is because of us. So a lot of them are thinking, oh, this this has to be good for the planet, but they don't know the details. Well, the other thing that people need to be aware of is the new EPA regulations are essentially going to force car dealers to switch to EVs. So in order to comply with these average um, emission standards that the EPA is putting out, uh, about 60% of the car fleet will have to be EVs within the next decade. So what people are seeing, whether it's gas stoves or, or gas heating of their homes or gas vehicles, these products are increasingly going to go away. And it, you, it, they don't have to have a mandate banning them. The, the makers are just not going to be able to produce them anymore, and you're not going to be able to get them. Well, if they're not making money on them and they're losing money making them, I would think that even the manufacturers would revolt. Well, they're starting to. You know, we're seeing Ford and GM, they just announced cancellation of a number of EV projects and certain lines of EV vehicles. So they are saying we can't afford to keep going down this road and losing billions of dollars a year on our line of EVs. Can you help me help it make sense to me that they want to push this mandate on the people they're supposed to protect and make lives harder? For I, I mean, there are a lot of poor people in this country. How in the heck are they going to afford an electric car? Uh, well, they can't, they can't. And so this is a question that I've struggled with, too, is what, what's the motivation here? We're not doing much good for the environment. Uh, you're taking away that something Americans need. We need transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure what the end game here is. You're, you're, you're forcing us into a product that we know the electric grid can't charge. Maybe the, the goal is they just don't want you traveling as much. They don't want you traveling long distances. They want you to live in 15-minute cities and walk to work or bike, and, and they just don't want you to have a car because ultimately that's where this leads. Well, they they never been in rural America then when your closest neighbor's two miles away. I mean, come on, man. Plus, I know they want to push us into public transportation. Um, that might work for the city folk, but that's not going to work for the other 80% of America. It's just not. Uh, you put together a documentary called The Shadow State. Explain what that's about. Uh, it's a look at the ESG movement, and it basically the ESG movement is a way to get the, the private sector, the private companies on board with this agenda, whether it's climate change or racial equity or abortion rights or gun control. It's a way to get companies on board with what the government's doing. And that's the ESG industry. We lift the hood up and look under it and show you how it works and who the players are. But we also show you a lot of people who are pushing back against it. Um, so it's, it's not completely a lost cause. So where do they where do they go to get it? Is it a DVD? Is it a is it a MP3? Where do, where do people see it? So you can stream it or you can get a DVD. You can see it at theshadowstate.com. But it's free to watch for all uh, Epoch Times subscribers. So if you're a subscriber, you can go to um, the Shadow State and and you can stream it for free. You do a lot of stuff though. Is there a way people can follow you so they know about what you're doing before you know I can get you on the show? Sure. Well, my byline is Kevin Stockland, so you can just search that at the Epoch Times, and I, I write on these topics all the time, so uh, people are welcome to read my work there. I don't know why everyone's not a member of Epoch Times, because y'all, I mean, everyone who works there, y'all got your fingers real deep in the mud in so many different aspects of what's going on in the world, and it's kind of the only place I'm feeling 
I mean, there are other options, but such a wide variety of things and compelling things are covered by your staffers. It's kind of an amazing thing. Well, I feel like we're encouraged to ask a lot of questions that other newspapers aren't really allowed to ask. So, you know, we challenge narratives, and in a way, our job's kind of easy because it doesn't take much, uh, a lot of times, to see kind of the flaws in the narratives and, and the lies just beneath the surface. Yeah, he's a senior investigative reporter for Epoch Times. His name is Kevin Stockland. Um, you can say Epoch, you can say Epic, you can say Epoch. You can call it whatever you want as long as you subscribe so that you know what's going on. But you do need to see Shadow State. You're going to sit and guffaw at a lot of the things that are happening and, and why they're being done and who it benefits, I think, is where we should always look. And it's most certainly not going to be us. Kevin, I appreciate your time today. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. You too. Uh, thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. Bye-bye.